This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, you're listening to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashan Johan and on the show with me today is Yu Ren Chung. He's the Deputy Executive Director of the Women's Aid Organization. Now, Ren Chung has been a women's rights activist for close to a decade now and has pushed for various bills and laws such as the Sexual Harassment Bill and even now the Anti-Stalking Law. Welcome to the show, Ren Chung. How are you doing? Hi, Dashan. I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for um, having me and WAO. Um, let's start by um, telling me about the work that you do um, at WAO. Um, you're now the Deputy Executive Director. What does that entail? It's definitely an honor to uh, be with WAO. Um, and, and, you know, Deputy Executive Director is a huge uh, privilege and, and responsibility. So what does WAO do? Uh, essentially, we are about ending domestic violence um, and all forms of violence against women in Malaysia towards achieving gender equality. Uh, and we do this through uh, three pillars. So the first and, and most important um, is to start with the individual. Secondly, is working with communities. And thirdly, with society. So at the individual level, it's all about ensuring that somebody in crisis, somebody facing domestic violence uh, or, or some other form of violence uh, or discrimination is able to get the services that they have the right to. Uh, for example, medical support, uh, uh, the, the ability to lodge a police report and get their case uh, looked into. Um, uh, and then subsequently, uh, after that, you know, once they've maybe escaped the abusive situation, uh, how do they rebuild their lives? So that's, you know, we have a team of social workers and, 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 and shelter officers and, and other uh, service providers who are really dedicated to looking at what each individual uh, woman and their children need. And that's really the heart of it because, you know, to really understand and, and, and domestic violence and achieve gender equality, we really have to pay attention to you know, what each individual's experiences are. But we also know that in order to address domestic violence and gender discrimination in the country, it's not an individual thing. It's about society. It's about community. Uh, and, and in order to address it, we then need interventions at, at those levels. So at the community level, uh, we conduct uh, uh, work on capacity building. So working with different communities. It could be uh, a company. It could be a neighborhood association. Right. It could be... A, uh, another NGO that you know works with particular groups of people, and really working with these communities to see how can we recognize uh, abuse, recognize discrimination, and how and then what can we do to end it. Hmm. And then thirdly, at the society level, it's about looking at um, uh, you know laws, policies, right. uh, as well as public attitudes to try and uh, change structural problems that that enable violence uh, and discrimination to to occur. Exactly how many years have you um, been with WAO? Because correct me if I'm wrong, you had um, two separate stints with WAO, right? You're, you're right. I, I joined WAO, uh, it's going to be 10 years. In fact, next month uh, is my, uh, it will be ten year, exactly 10 years oh, from, nice. when I, from when I joined WAO. I, I did take a year off. I did a master's degree, but I joined WAO exactly almost uh, 10 years ago. It's been a really uh, incredible experience and uh, a very privileged and uh, I feel very fortunate to have had that experience starting off as a you know, recently graduated person, just the ability to learn about the issue, learning about gender, learning about domestic violence from, from so many people. It's, yeah, it's definitely been quite, quite a journey. Would you consider that um, you joining WAO, um, the moment you begin 
um, your journey in activism or have you been uh, you know, doing things before that? Um, when would you consider um, the moment your journey in activism um, began? You know, when I was a student, I studied engineering actually. Oh. I studied electrical engineering uh, and I had a double major in uh, economics. Um, and, and, you know, the reason I went into engineering was I was very interested and concerned about environmental uh, issues. And, okay. and you know, and, um, of course, you know, the, the challenge of our time is uh, in terms of environment is, is climate change, mm-hmm. climate crisis and, and, you know, the effects it has on ecosystems as well as humans. And, you know, there's all sorts of discriminatory effects that, you know, climate change itself has on, 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 on human beings, depending on where you live and, and who you are. And, you know, I, I studied engineering to, to find uh, technical solutions to this issue. You know, but the more I, I learned about the problem, I've, I realized that, you know, these things are, you know, yes, we need the engineering and the science and, you know, which is, of course, a key part of uh, uh, the, the solving the problem. But I also realized that the science and engineering was way ahead in terms of what we needed to do. Right. We knew what the solutions were, but somehow or rather the political system, the governments all over the world were unwilling and unable to, to act. And so that's when I started looking more into social sciences, politics and policies right. and movements. That really opened the door to me to so many things that needed urgent attention. I remember, you know, what really drew me to working in human rights and, and you know, gender specifically uh, in Malaysia was really the, 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 the exposure to larger movements in Malaysia, as well as very prominent and kind of inspiring figures. Mm-hmm. So, so I, you know, I remember uh, one thing that was uh, potentially uh, a turning point for me was uh, the birthday movement. Right. Now, I wasn't around in Malaysia. Uh, I, I was still in university. You know, I, I remember seeing, you know, watching, and then, you know, birthday too, and, you know, watching um, on the news, uh, just like, you know, on YouTube, protesters coming out. And I remember watching um, uh, on TV uh, how at the time the government had deployed water cannons on protesters. And there was one minister who was just completely defending the actions of, you know, the government who, who clearly had used force against peaceful protesters, right. peaceful, you know, other Malaysians, other human beings. And for me, that was a pretty jarring image to, to, to watch. And, and from then on, I started to look more into what was going on in Malaysia in terms of human rights and, and political change and reform. Another event that really stuck with me was attending a talk by uh, Zain Anwar. And she had come to a university to, to give a talk on women's rights in Malaysia. Uh, so this was uh, overseas? This was overseas, yeah. Right. She was talking about things that I really didn't know anything about. She described challenges that seemed so insurmountable and, and unimaginable, yet she was able to work alongside others, other women, other Malaysians, other uh, activists to try right. and resist and make things better. Uh, and they, they had some success. And that to me really opened my eyes to, you know, what an individual like me could potentially, you know, aspire to do. Uh, so I started going on YouTube and looking for, you know, other information on what was going on. And I remember watching clips of people like, you know, Irene uh, Fernandez, uh, um, people like um, Surinjan. And I felt, wow, this is something that I could probably aspire to. Um, do you consider yourself a feminist? Um, and if so, was there a particular 
point or turning point in your life that made you um, identify yeah. as a fe- feminist? Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, uh, yes. I, I think you know, a lot of people, when they hear the term feminist, uh, they have different ideas that come right. to their mind. And, and to me, at its core is you recognize inequalities between genders, number one. And number two, you feel that we should work towards equality. I think those are the basic ingredients of, of what uh, what it means to say you're a feminist. And then maybe a third point is you're doing something in whatever way, um, could be small or big, to try and close that gap. Right. And for me, what really kind of, uh, it wasn't really any particular event that that made me be interested and 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 and, and be aware of you know um, feminism and, and women's rights and gender. It, for me, it was really a series and a process of uh, listening, listening to people, to women about their experiences. I remember one time I was just at a at a, uh, at a friend's apartment for like a dinner party, right? And just having a very casual conversation about just about about you know work and going to work and commuting and. Uh, modes of transport. And I, I remember one of my friends who was a woman, she said, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so happy that I, I have enough money now to, to get a car. You know, I thought, okay, yeah, uh, for sure. You know, I, you know, LRT is good and all, but of course there's connectivity issues and, and whatnot, you know, but for her, it was, um, it was because uh, it wasn't that she didn't like to take public transport. It was that she felt whenever she took public transportation, uh, she would get harassed right. in, in various ways. So, uh, people would stare at her. I think, and it made her very feel very uncomfortable. Uh, every time she was on the on the uh, you know on the LRT or, or on the bus and so on, people have done studies in Malaysia on sexual harassment. And in fact, it, uh, 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 this is a study by by YouGov in 2019. The study found that first of all, uh, a high proportion of, of Malaysian women experience sexual harassment, uh, more than a third. And one of the biggest places where sexual harassment occurs is in public spaces and public transport. But half case, about maybe like 40% of the cases occur either on public transport or public spaces. Uh, so she was describing an incident that, that, that you know, as a, as a man, I would generally not be too yeah. aware about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe I, I've had experiences as a, as a boy, potentially, you know, as a boy where, um, um, you know, I was exposed to some forms of harassment uh, okay. on public transport but as, as a man you know these are things that are in the past and they don't bother me now you know i, I never have to be scared of going on an LRT yeah. or bus or whatever Same here. but but my friend here who's a woman was describing you know her experience where every time she was on a public transport she would get her and it doesn't mean that everyone is a harasser even if there's just yeah. one person on you know, an LRT was like hundreds of people. That one person can harass so many people. You exactly. know, so 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 it affected her in a huge way, and it's borne out in studies. Studies show that it's a very prevalent thing. This is really something that is just not quite okay, lah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 and 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 that kind of um, um, strengthened my resolve to work in this in this field. How important do you think, Rinchong? Is is it for men? to be involved in this cause? Um, we are talking about women's rights, gender equality, and all of that. Yeah, I think it's very important. And, and you know, you can think of a number of reasons. So one reason is simply in order to end violence discrimination against uh, on basis of gender, this is a worldwide issue uh, affecting, you know, majority of uh, uh, any any society. 
any population. So, so the solution must involve everyone. Men are also often more inclined to listen to other men, you know, which itself is, is a sexist tendency, but that's the reality. Oftentimes, the wrongdoers are men themselves. So if men don't change, then, and men are not speaking to other men, then it's just impossible to resolve this issue. That's I think the first point. And the secondly, and, and you know, uh, more fundamentally is, is, is uh, there's a moral obligation here, I feel, hmm. uh, in a sense that, you know, number one, you, you shouldn't be doing these things. So if you're, you know, a wrestler or whatever, that's obviously wrong. Uh, but even as a as a as a bystander or as a as an observer, th- there is some way in which you're benefiting. On the whole, not not in every instance, but on the right. whole, thing we are benefiting from gender discrimination, right? It's, not, it's not something that affects us. It brings other people down, and relatively, that means we're going up. And thirdly, I think you know something that's not quite often brought up is is men need to be involved just for themselves. You can think of it in practical ways like dismantling stereotypes and roles that mm-hmm. require men to be a certain way. I think every person or most people, they want to be good. Mm-hmm. And they want to be ethical and moral persons. And, and, and if you want to do that, then we need to recognize that one way to do that is to ensure we're, we're leading a, 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 a life that is, you know, and behaving in ways that, that we're being as fair as possible to women uh, and to anyone else in, in our lives. Tell me a little bit about your family. Um, when you were growing up, did your parents or you know, of other family members, um, siblings perhaps, um, discuss things like human rights, politics, um, feminism and all of that? We didn't uh, really. I mean, I think we, we were kind of the, in some ways, traditional in that sense, you know, where you can think of, uh, you know, I think very few families in Malaysia would have, you know, very few people of, right. you know, in their twenties and thirties today would have had that experience um, uh, with their parents and, you know, um, and, and family. So, so I, I didn't really have that um, that kind of dynamic with, with my family. But, but I think, you know, I, I did have a very good childhood overall. Uh, but still, I feel, you know, just reflecting, reflecting on 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 myself and my family members and gender dynamics in the family which I don't think were anything out of the norm or, but you know, even little things like things I would do and things maybe my sister would do and the reactions that, that we got from those behaviors and attitudes and, and, and how that shaped us as uh, in terms of personality and how we would uh, end up. Mm-hmm. And, and these are things that I, I only now when I'm an adult, I'm, I have the sort of, capacity and space to reflect and, and think about that. Um, and, and I think it's the same for everyone. Everyone has those reflections, you know, maybe um, for uh, one, one, one story I, I hear quite often, not myself, but, you know, from, from, from other people sharing their reflections are things like um, how boys were, you know, not required to clean up. Mm. Right. Right. Um, or how um, boys would maybe get a better share of, the meal. I think everyone has some antidote uh, in terms of family dynamics that 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 shape the way they are. And and, and you know, if you haven't thought about it, uh, I would I would encourage you to to think about that. Even like the way you dress, things like if you have a girlfriend, let's say if you're a guy, you have a girlfriend, you want to yeah. go out at night. Parents are more chill about it. 
if you are a girl yeah. sometimes they'll even say things like you know you're going to bring shame to my to the family there is such yeah. a, a imbalance sometimes the parents are not even coming from a place of malice yeah it's, it's just things that people don't think about and, and yeah even if, even in the most subtle ways uh, over time they can have some kind of effect on the show with me today is Yu Renchung. He's the Deputy Executive Director of the Women's Aid Organization. After the break, I ask him about some of the changes he's seen since he first started activism. We'll be back with more on Good Things, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Good Things, the show where we speak to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashan Johan and on the show with me today is Yu Renchung. He's the Deputy Executive Director of the Women's Aid Organization. So, Renchung. What are some of the biggest challenges you faced throughout your journey so far? It's been close to 10 years, you said. You know, it's another mm. month, it'll be 10 years. Yeah. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome? I mean, I think one challenge is uh, just operational. Uh, you know, I think um, over the past uh, two years, since COVID came, uh, WA had to really um, uh, do much more. And the reason is simply because um, the level of domestic violence cases that we experience, the caseload is simply greater than it was before. You know, our workload actually, um, in terms of individual case management uh, and, and, and information uh, and support, we saw a fourfold increase uh, in the few months following the first movement control order MCO. We basically doubled our capacity um, in a matter of a few months, uh, working with so many amazing partners, different UN agencies, uh, different foundations and sponsors and of course our staff who are always doing their best and, and as a result you know we were able to provide those um, crisis and post-crisis uh, services to to many more individuals than we have ever done before rather than that you know i think any organization working on societal level change uh, and in general that means you're doing some kind of advocacy on on laws or policies or you're doing some kind of public attitude or behavioral change uh, program. So, so, you know, any organization working in those spaces will face similar challenges. Um, and, and we certainly have. Uh, so uh, I, I think the biggest challenge really is, is a lot of things are, are not within your control. So you can imagine if you're, if you're uh, running a project, if you're running a business, for example, it's just tough. But at the same time, a lot of things are things you can manage. Right. And you have control. You may fail. You still may fail. But you have control over uh, uh, certain activities that you do, and, and certain outcomes and products that you produce, and and and, and so on. Uh, in our space, similar more difficult because you're not the ultimate decision maker, and things are dependent on on the larger political and policy making space. Another challenge, I think, is just time scale. So if you work in the field for one or two years it's very difficult to achieve the goal that you set out to do. Mm. You have to work on, on a, you know, a project can take five years, uh, not a project, but like a campaign or an effort right. uh, to change a policy, a law can take, you know, five years or longer. Sexual harassment um, bill, 20 plus years. Yeah, yeah. And you can think of, um, that, that's a really good example because mm-hmm. uh, I, mean, I would say the current push to for sexual harassment bill really started in um, 2019, I would say. Um, so it's been a, maybe like a two or three year process. Um, and, and that really was kicked off when survivors themselves spoke up and brought a lot of attention to the matter through uh, the, you know, the case of the specialist in the government hospital. Uh, as you know, what, That was one prominent case that really made people feel, okay, we need to 
take action. So, so even you know the the recent iteration of that effort has taken you know uh, three years and still not finished yet. I was still not at a point where I was satisfied. Right. It's probably gonna take another you know a, a while. But even so, even that is you know a matter of years. But but if you think about the overall initiative, the overall movement, these are things that happened that started off many years ago, and were were riding on previous efforts. Were riding on on movements and, and initiatives that people have done and started for for years. Any any achievement, any policy achievement that 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 anyone has worked on has achieved any success, it's the same thing. You, you, you've started your initiative uh, uh, now, but the process of change took years. And, and, and at the same time, things that you're starting off now, they may not see the light of day for another, maybe in 20 years time, somebody's going to look at your research or look at your policy paper or read an article that mentioned something that you did, that you, you failed at, but someone else in 20 years might be able to pick that up. Are there any personal challenges that you have faced because you're a guy doing this uh, in, in this line of work. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, maybe friends, acquaintances, even uh, yeah. mean comments perhaps. Um, I remember even when I was um, writing movie reviews um, prior to this right now, before BFM and all of that, mm-hmm. um, whenever I talk about gender equality in film, um, representation and all of that, you will have a lot of comments that a very derogatory, they'll say, oh, you know, soy boy and all these kinds of stuff. Um, have you faced these kinds of things or perhaps been in positions where maybe, you know, you're, you're bros in a mama and they make mm-hmm. certain jokes which you yeah. know shouldn't be made anymore, um, you know, yeah. in, in 2022 and so forth. And then maybe you bring it up and then they're like, ah, why are you mm-hmm. always like spoiling the fun? Have you faced mm-hmm. these sorts of challenges? I remember one example where there was a WhatsApp group from, you know, my uh, school, secondary school, mm-hmm. you know, WhatsApp group. I went to, I went to all, all, uh, all boys schools, right. so, you know, all, all men. And, you know, someone would make a, a joke, sort of the sexist or, you know, and, 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 you know, at first, sometimes you just want to like not say anything. And, but, you know, I, I think this is part of the idea of, of what, what, it, what it means to, to do some, to kind of have some kind of, if you're just doing something, if you just talk about it in, in, you know, philosophically and, Technically, you know, it, it, uh, that's just that's one thing. But actually, doing something in your life, I think, is 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 another thing, and and you have to do that. So so I remember one incident where where that happened, and I just sort of just put out a comment saying, "Hey, you know, I think uh, that's sort of uh, you know something we we're all adults now, and you know, this is something that in school days we'd make." But you know, and and yeah, you know, there there was uh, in a in a way that it's not really uh, judgmental, or I mean that 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 guy was probably saying something just because he wanted to be funny. Right. You know, he didn't mean, he didn't purposely want to, uh, I mean, in that, that circumstance, he just wanted to make a joke. Right. Uh, so, you know, uh, just by one person saying something, uh, and I found, what, I, what I found was, you know, some other people also came in and said, yeah, you know, agree, true, you know, and gradually we're making that space. Do you find it sometimes more challenging to do what you did there um, you know, that WhatsApp message that you sent compared to uh, doing a, pre- yeah, yeah. a press conference, uh, talking to, yeah. you know, coming on BFM and talking yeah, yeah. about women's rights and all of that, for example. Yeah. Do you sometimes find it more challenging to talk to your just bro circle and all these things about these sorts yeah, of things? Yeah, I mean, it, it, can, it can be, it can be. And in a sense, because it's added something additionally to do and you don't feel worried of personal uh, 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 backlash. Right. 
you know, whereas if, you, if something doing your work, that's, you can sort of separate that, even though you may receive backlash, you know, but you can sort of mentally compartmentalize that, that um, reaction. Uh, so yeah, I think what you said is, is uh, you know, a very valid point. Uh, but, but I think also, you know, so, uh, um, and this is a message to kind of like men out there, boys, and, and uh, oftentimes if you say something back in, in a way that is, you know, you don't have to be judgmental or, 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 or in a very criticized, you know, kind of way, just as a matter of fact, and, and um, there's a chance that other people may feel that way and agree with you and, and, and you're able to set the tone a bit. Uh, of course, it, you know, it all depends on your circle, but, but if you feel the urge to say something, then I think, um, you know, if, if at first you don't succeed, right? Like maybe the first time the fellow might, can be very defensive, you know, but the next time the fellow is going to think twice before he sends a message like that. You know, maybe subconsciously he's also thinking about it, you know, whether he should have done that or not. Uh, and it happened to me before. Someone, one time when I was in, uh, I remember when I was in university, um, uh, I sent uh, uh, sort of a group email, um, um, just a, a joke, like a, like a um, uh, sort of a, because I used to send like sort of entertaining stories as a, I was like social chair or some club, whatever. Right. And one of the things I sent was, um, I think it was, it had some kind of, um, like the dirty joke kind of element to whatever I sent. And so someone messaged back saying, Hey, you know, um, can we not, you know, use this kind of material? And so my initial reaction was, Oh, it's just a joke. And this, no, I was in, I was in like college and all this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I was like, Oh, what, you know, why is this person making a big deal of it? Uh, so, but then after that, I thought about it. I was like, and, and this is like, not immediately, like this is like years later, I, thought, I was thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, that person was absolutely right. And and me doing that was not right. You know? So right. <laughs> so so that, just that one intervention from that one person had some kind of effect on me. Mm -hmm. uh, even though that person would never know. And it was like years later, you know. So so I would urge you, especially men, and don't, don't, don't leave the burden to women. Because if they say something, then you know, it's on, it's on them and they're going to feel the brunt of whatever reaction. And it's going to be worse than if you said it. Yes. Because if a man says something, then, I mean, again, it's just kind of a sexist thingy, but, but, you know, in a way you're alleviating the burden from the person who's affected by that, you know, comment or joke or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're probably not going to face as bad a backlash or mm -hmm. a reaction that that person would have now. Now, Renchung, I recently spoke to legends um, in this, yeah. um, you know, women's rights um, activism field, um, the likes of Betty Yo, Maria Chin, Mira Samanda, and all of them. And each of them talked about a time where, you know, when they started, um, you know, do, uh, fighting for women's rights and gender equality and all of these things. And, um, you know, they talked about how at that time in the 80s, um, even the early 90s and all, where if women's rights groups would organize workshops, uh, mobilize protests and, and things like that, they would receive receive massive, massive, massive resistance from the state. Um, even journalists who just covered mm -hmm. um, stories about rape, for example, sexual harassment and all, mm -hmm. um, they could get trouble with the get trouble with ISA and, and all of that. Um, are things different today? Yeah, definitely things are different. Um, in a sense that uh, because of the work that these people did for you know, the past 30, 40, 50 years and other people even before then um, were able to push the narrative and push uh, norms to a certain way. 
So, so if you're talking about the issue of faith, say domestic violence, in the 80s, in the 90s, uh, this was not a accepted thing that we should be against. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea was uh, still very much that, hey, um, uh, is this even something we need to stop? And, and, and um, you know, I've heard stories that even when the Domestic Violence Act uh, was uh, tabled in Dewan Rakyat in the 90s, uh, it didn't really receive popular support. You know, there were many men MPs from the government backbench um, who, uh, and so, you know, I, I heard from people who were there that, you know, even booing the minister from their party, Just same madness. party. Yeah, for, for tabling that bill, even though the, main, the, 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 the government had proposed this, right. the backbench was, you know, some in the backbench had the, you know, audacity to boo. And this is a story that I heard secondhand. So, right. uh, I mean, um, but, you know, it may, that would never happen today in terms of domestic violence. Uh, um, you know, we see an, an example of that was the amendment to the Domestic Violence Act in 2017, which is a project that WO um, uh, uh, initiated and worked on. Um, uh, that was a very popular bill, uh, which the government proudly passed. And the next day, they went on a huge media blitz publicizing the fact that the government had passed uh, you know, some good amendments to the domestic violence act. So, so you can see the contrast there from the nineties to five years ago, um, 20 plus 25, 30 years, uh, the difference in the mainstream reaction to a, 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 a law on domestic violence. So, so, so because of, you know, the work that, that people have done, activists, government servants and politicians back in the day, uh, women leaders and, and so on. Um, the narrative has shifted. You know, we have a law, law changes narratives. Uh, uh, having conversations every day about a certain issue, that changes norms, people's perceptions. And so because of that, we're at a situation where uh, for most issues, not, 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 not every point on domestic violence, but for a lot of points on domestic violence, today, the, the, the conversation we're having with government is less about ideology and values, but it's more on technical improvements. We do have disagreements on values still, for sure. Uh, you know, but but a lot of things we can agree. And the conversation is then on let's how do we improve these things? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we improve training? How do we allocate more resources in the government budget to certain things? Um, how do we tweak the SOP to try and make it better? Uh, and we do have roadblocks in terms of some you know, disagreements of values. But in general, we've come a long way from there. Of course, some other issues were not there yet, right? You can think of some, you know, one issue, for example, is um, uh, uh, sexual assault, rape within a marriage. Yeah. You know, so so on that issue, you know, you can think of it as, as we're still where domestic violence was, you know, in the 80s, 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so the challenge for us is now to say, um, how do we deal with that and how do we push the narrative so that along with other forms of abuse in marriage, that particular form of abuse is also recognized as something that is abhorrent and, and wrong. So, 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 so we do, you know, we have changed uh, in, in many ways, um, I think, um, on some issues, uh, but there's so many other um, human rights violations, wrongdoings, discrimination that we are still not at that level. We're still debating whether what is right, what is wrong. 
people are still receiving backlash for for what you know uh for the work that they're doing um uh so so we we do you know that's we've come a long way in some points but there's still quite a, a ways to go on and many 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 issues before we wrap this conversation up i just have one more question for you um what has been your proudest moment in activism so far I've had a lot of, uh, you know, again, I've, I've been quite fortunate to um, be quite involved in in so many initiatives and, and, you know, staying around for, you know, almost 10 years, uh, I've been long enough, around long enough to to actually realize some of our um, uh, 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 agenda. So um, I can think of so many really memories that I feel so fortunate to, to have had, um, you know, uh, working on domestic violence, law reform, um, uh, policy change, uh, forming structures within working together with government to, um, uh, periodically oversee, uh, regularly oversee implementation of domestic violence, working on, and, you know, government to allocate more resources for essential domestic violence services, um, uh, working with other activists and journalists and public and government to um, uh, get law reform agendas, like, you know, stalking, sexual harassment, uh, paternity leave, um, uh, things like that, bringing them to a stage where, where they're almost um, uh, laws. Um, so, so these are all very, um, I think, you know, proud moments, uh, that, that I've had personally, uh, uh, um, and, and if, but for me, it's really, you know, these things are really, um, you can never, you can never really, um, uh, I think as, as any, as an, you know, advocate in any, whatever issue you're working on, uh, it's not about your achievements or your impact. Uh, uh, it's really, you know, how are you working with or changing uh, um, uh, uh, systems and, and, and how are, how are uh, you're part of a larger ecosystem working towards change? Uh, you know, as an NGO, you know, WO is, you know, we work, our role is to, to advance to, you know, uh, 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 domestic violence and, you know, and, and domestic violence and violence against women. But, but there are so many partners and uh, allies and stakeholders that we work with, um, who are equally as important to do this, you know, of course, other NGOs, uh, other activists, our donors, our funders, but, but even, you know, government servants, mm -hmm. policy officers, uh, these are people who, I mean, they've, they've chosen a career that, you know, has some benefits, but at the same time, they are in public service and that's the career they've chosen. They don't get a spotlight or whatever, but, but they are equally as important to any law reform, policy reform that, you know, we're trying to work on. Um, uh, even some, you know, even politicians uh, who, you know, uh, uh, without, you know, key leaders, definitely anything that we're trying to do is not going to be successful. So, so I think for me, really, um, in terms of proudest moment, it, it, it's really, you know, working with being part of all that, being part of that ecosystem and, 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 and that community of, of, uh, you know, people, humans, uh, working together and achieving better outcomes for 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 people at large. I think that for me has been really um, an amazing experience. 
On that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Rinchung. Thanks, Dashwan. Fabulous. That was Yu Renchung, Deputy Executive Director of the Women's Aid Organization. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can check us out on podcasts. We are available on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. You just have to look up good things. Also, if you or anyone you know are experiencing domestic violence, you can reach out to the WAO helpline. You can WhatsApp 018-988-8058. That's 018-988-8058. Or call 03-3000-8858. That's 03-3000-8858. I'm Dashan Johan and this has been Good Things, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.